April 12th, Gabriel will be at the Roxy Theater in Longview, Washington. April 13th, he'll be at the Egyptian Theater in Coos Bay, Oregon. April 17th, he's at Inn of the Mountain Gods in Mesilaro, New Mexico. April 18th, he's at Santa Ana Star Casino, just outside of Albuquerque. Not as cool a name as Inn of the Mountain Gods, but that doesn't mean Gabriel won't be giving his best effort. April 19th and 20, Mr. Rutledge is at Laughs Comedy Cafe in Tucson, Arizona. It's spelled L-A-F-F-S, so you know they like to get a little crazy at that club. For more info and for all of Gabriel's show dates, go to GabrielRutledge.com. Okay, you're here, so we may as well start episode 15 of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge right now. Now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. Check. All right, we're rolling. Yeah, starting off a little uh, little Barry Manilow today. That, that's a surprise to me, too. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I think that's the only line of that song I know. Same with Oh Mandy. That's it. That's all I got. Congratulations to Barry Manilow, who I believe came out uh, and uh, got married to a man a few years ago. Yeah, you could say his music came out well before he did, but uh, I actually thought it was kind of shitty. I remember when he came out, there was a lot of like social media that was like, oh, like we know Barry. No one gives a shit. Obviously, you're gay. I'm like, that's... He was in, he's in his 70s. He didn't come out till he was in his 70s. Like, people forget. It's still not the easiest to be a gay man. Like, if, if life was a video game and you were selecting characters uh, with the best chance to get you through the quest of life the easiest, uh, gay man is high difficulty level, Okay. That is not the easiest way to get through life. And that's now. In the 90s. (laughs) That's now. In uh, 2019. Uh, Can you imagine being gay in the 60s? When people treated you like you were a pedophile, practically, for being gay? Like, I don't know. Of course, he didn't come out until he was in his 70s. Uh, It could have cost him uh, a... His career, his life, uh, a lot of stuff. So anyway, Barry, if you're listening, I've been told you're a fan. Uh, congratulations uh, on your marriage a couple years ago. Uh, long may you reign. If you're wondering uh, what video game character you should choose to get through the video game life, uh, maybe just a doughy white guy with a beard. We seem to do okay. Not too many troubles. Just some mild guilt from the past. But other than that, not too many troubles. I am recording this podcast from Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, what am I doing? Am I partying? Huh? What am I doing? Coke? Am I getting fucked up? Am I drinking? Am I going to some dance clubs later? What am I gambling? Playing poker? Maybe some slots? Going to a show? No, none of those things. I am uh doing a comedy at a corporate event for the Great Clips. Actually, it's not Great Clips. It's uh Super Clips. I should probably figure that out. Before I do my show in a couple hours. Super clips? Great clips. Super cuts. Damn it. Where's my hair people at? I don't know. I don't know. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm just down here for one day. Uh, doing, uh, not doing too many Vegasy things. I'll be back for a full six days in June when I work Brad Garrett's comedy club. Everybody loves Raymond. Please welcome Gabriel Rutledge. 
Um, so I'll, uh, you know, I'll do more Vegasy things then. Although I'm not going to party and gamble. I can't gamble when I'm working. It feels weird. They say to be a good gambler, like to be a good poker player, you can't look at it as money. You have to look at it as units. You know what I mean? Like if you lose a big bet, you didn't lose thousands of dollars. You lost thousands of units and you will get them back because of your poker skill. That's why I will never be a good poker player because it is always money to me. Uh, it hurts. It hurts to lose. Uh, and even like if you're just playing slots or whatever, let's let's say you sit down at the slot machine and you 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 win a hundred bucks in your first ten minutes. What are you gonna do? Not gamble the rest of your trip? You just keep playing until you lose money. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. That's enough of a gamble. <laughs> oh boy, it's gonna be a fun show tonight, isn't it? Third dimension cuts. I don't even think that's a business anymore. That's where I used to, when my mom stopped cutting my hair, uh, she took me to third dimension cuts. And uh, I remember being kind of scared of the people cutting hair because, <laughs> I don't know, they'd have super long fingernails and uh, weird hair colors. You notice people who cut hair usually don't have the best hair because they can't stop fucking with themselves. You know, it's just uh, their head is an experiment all the time. Um. You know, whenever you see one of those people that's like a uh, makeup person to the stars or hair person to the stars, they always look like, you know, half their head's a skunk and the other half's a beaver. Uh, but they make other people look beautiful. And that's important. The airplane, airplane ride uh, to Vegas is always kind of funny because, well, first of all, people are like, let's start the vacation now. Let's start getting hammered at uh, 10 a.m. on our trip to Vegas. That way, we can really make the most of our vacation by being in bed by 7.30 because we're passed out drunk. But uh, so there's that. There's a lot of people on the plane like, what? You know, there's like a wedding party, and they all had like matching T-shirts or whatever. And uh, and then there's also people that are like very Vegasy. Like you just – you feet I don't know how to describe it. Like uh, – sunglasses and also there was people that looked like dancers if i was going to stereotype um and then i think there's just people who think they have to dress a certain way to go to vegas las vegas is like a, a foreign exchange students version of cool you know like hey sunglasses on a plane that's pretty cool right a lot of hair gel people still like that right like oh not really I didn't know tap out made sweatpants, but you look good, buddy. I had a uh, I had a friend in high school. Oh, let me have a little sip of my uh, water that the room provided for me here. Oh, what a delicious tiny bottle of water! I actually like my water, like I like my women. You guys, um, unsure whether or not it's costing me money, huh? Yeah, I like the gamble. That stupid water probably cost me – I didn't have a sign on it, but that doesn't mean it didn't cost me $12. They really, any vacation -y place just starts fucking you when you get off the plane, man. It's – I didn't take an Uber in to my hotel. At the, I'm, where am I? At the Palace Station. Uh, and I kind of – in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a taxi. Good old school taxi. These people have probably had their jobs for a long time before all this stupid app culture came. I'm going to take a taxi. $40. I mean, five of it was tipped, but $40 to go six miles. And then I just, I checked my Uber app to get back to the airport tomorrow. It's like 18 bucks. Which, so I'm sorry, I'm not going old school anymore. Uh, I'm going Uber from now on. And then even when I, I like I got this uh, this corporate gig was just a flat rate travel not provided, and uh, so I just sort of Googled cheap hotel rooms. That's why I'm at the Palace Station, and uh, and then I'm checking in. They're like, okay, so it's what you paid for online, and then also uh, an extra thirty five dollars for the hotel fee. I'm like, what the hell's a hotel fee? This whole thing's a hotel fee. That's 
I thought I paid for the hotel fee. Uh, she's like, well, no, that was, you know, the taxes and room and service charges and, you know, the $35 is like our fee on top. I'm like, oh, just let me initial, you know, I'm not going to fight. They're paying me pretty well to entertain the great people of super great clips. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. They know you're on vacation and you're not going to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, extra 35 bucks here. Who cares? Who gives a shit? I'm already bankrupting myself for the rest of the year. Anyway, I had this friend in high school, got distracted, uh, dual citizenship. Uh, he was, he lived in Greece most of his life, came to America for high school. And I think when he was in Greece, he just had this weird, slightly behind the times idealized version of America. So he kind of, he kind of dressed like he was in Top Gun. If Top Gun had, like, a chubby character. Oh. You know. If Maverick liked carbs more. That kind of vibe. Uh, So, yeah, he was just walking around like, America, huh? It's cool, right? I'm like, I don't know. Not really. He kind of looked like if Fonzie was in law enforcement. It's like, hey, how come all these American babes aren't talking to me? I'm like, maybe because you... Have mirrored sunglasses and a too small leather coat. Uh, so it, it is, uh, and that's what I feel about Vegas. I feel like it's just people walking around, like, huh? Pretty cool, right? Vegas, party. <laughs> One time that guy, uh, I'm trying really hard not to say his name, he, to- he told me when he first got to high school. I don't even know if they have these anymore. They probably do. It's like a big circle in the bathroom where you wash your hands. Um, I think now it would probably be like automatic. Like you just put your hand under and water comes out. But at the time, I think it had like a foot thing you stepped on to make water come out. It was sort of like a hand shower for multiple people at the same time. Like a circle. Uh, And uh, he told me. Oh, man, I felt so bad for him when he told me this story. He told me the first, so like the first day at high school, you know, he's from Greece. He'd never seen this sort of hand-washing system, and so he peed in it. He peed in the hand-washing thing, uh, which is like, ah, America, cool, huh? I'm like, oh, fat Fonzie just peed in the hand-washing thing. Look out, everybody, new cool guy in town. I had a uh I had a weird flight uh coming back from uh Dayton, Ohio last week. Still definitely was still pretty sick. I guess health update I'm much better. But uh yeah, after the flu got better, I got a sinus infection. It's fun. It's fun being a human and uh being like an old car that's constantly breaking down. So I'm flying back from uh, Dayton. Um, still not feeling my best. Uh, I am on the window trying to sleep. Uh, at first, there's no one in the middle seat. I think I might get lucky. And then this uh, this guy comes in. Um, large, large fella. Um, you know, and... Uh, of course, yeah. look, no one wants to sit next to a really big person, and the really big person knows that, and it's, I'm very sensitive to uh, how they must feel, right? Because, I don't know, it's, you know, he's, uh, I'm, I'm not good at numbers, but I'm guessing he was 400 pounds plus. And it's like, if you have other addictions, you know, you can kind of keep them to yourself. And uh, food, everyone knows. Everyone knows. And uh, and look, I also know that I'm not uh, there just because you're technically overweight. I'm not saying you're unhealthy. And I'm all about body positivity. And uh, I, uh, I understand the 
whatever. Especially for women, the uh, the media, you know what, not just for women, for every gender, all 85 of them, uh, you can, you know, magazines, t- magazines, no one gives a shit about magazines, TV, media, social media, there's a lot of images of what an ideal body is supposed to look like, and most of us don't have that body. And I understand that, and I understand that... Um, uh, you know, some of it is just some of it is just cosmetic and societal pressure, and it's not about health. But I also know sometimes it's about health. I mean, that's kind of the flip side of that body positivity thing. Is sometimes being overweight is also a sign you're not that healthy. And you know what doesn't give a shit about body positivity? Stares. Uh, and if you're, you know, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick. I've struggled with weight my whole fucking life. I get it. Um, so anyway, this guy comes in, sits next to me. You know, I just crunches me up against the window. I don't say anything like I, you know, I have, uh, empathy and, uh, and I'm just trying to sleep. Right. And I'm probably giving him the flu anyway. So he, uh, at some point, the guy on the end finds another seat and leaves, and so then uh, the guy that was in the middle goes to the outside. I wake up, and uh, he's like, hey, man, sorry I had to sit next to you, which kind of awkward, right? Like, I mean, I think I just said, like, hey, I mean, it's a plane. You got to sit somewhere. But he's like, ah, I know. No one wants to sit next to the big guy. And I I felt bad, man. I just felt, I don't know. It's kind of like when people with babies on planes will hand out those little notes to other people and earplugs to be cute about it. Like, sorry, my baby's so loud. So here's some, we're going to get ahead of this. I kind of felt like that with this guy. Like, no, man, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about your size. I don't want to. It's an awkward conversation. And uh, I said, hey, man, it's no big deal, whatever. And uh, we start talking. Uh, We get interrupted a little bit because uh, I guess he he had some sort of a hot tub manufacturing type shirt on. And uh, the flight attendant started talking to him about hot tubs. And uh, what he needs to fix his hot tub and blah, blah, blah. and um, Which, by the way, <laughs> my wife and I have a hot tub. And, uh, I mean, even our – we used to say all the time on a, when we had a podcast called The Rutledges that we wanted to be hot tub rich. That uh, that was like the ultimate sign of uh, status for us to have a hot tub. And we, we uh, at one point a few years ago, I think someone died, got a – not a ton, but a little bit of money. We bought a used hot tub, and man, did we feel good about life. But you know what is the sort of the opposite of a status symbol is a broken down hot tub that no longer works. That immediately goes uh, from status symbol to white trash when you have an unusable hot tub. And then, uh, I mean, maybe we could fix it. And by we, I mean my wife. But it's uh, every time I'm in the backyard, it is look at it like, oh. Jesus, why don't we just have a car up on blocks back here? Anyway, flight attendant's talking to the guy about a hot tub. Then the guy the guy starts talking to me about being a comedian. And by the way, I know there's a small chance this guy's actually listening to this. Because uh, he, you know, I don't know, he said he's going to check me out. Um, and I, don't, I, used to, I used to lie when people asked what I do for a living. But I don't, uh, it just feels too weird. Because then you get caught in some other lie. You know. Like, oh, what do you do for a living? Insurance. And then they're like, oh, I hate insurance. You people suck. And I'm like, I should have just said I was a comedian. So, like, I'm a comedian. Uh, You know, he starts talking to me. Basic, same questions. You know, you ever been on TV? Blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. And then he's like, I'm sure I'm annoying you uh, with these (laughs) questions. These questions. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like that guy uh, 
who was talking to me about hot tub stuff. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to tell you. He's like, I think that guy wanted to suck my dick. And I was so stunned. I was so... This is why Barry Manilow didn't come out till his 70s, by the way. Because, I mean, according to our popular stereotypes, this flight attendant probably was gay. Sort of a older gentleman. In fact, in fact if you watch the uh, Fry Fest, Fry? No, Fire Festival documentary, he kind of looked like the guy uh, who said he was willing to blow somebody to make some deal. Who's in a lot of memes right now. Sort of like a 50-something-year-old attractive gay man. But... Yeah, so this guy is like, yeah, I think he wanted to fucking blow me. I was so stunned that I just sat there for a second, and then I just go, you think that's what it was? And then he's like, ah, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And then we kept talking, even though I didn't want to. Uh, and, you know, actually ends up, it's a family member tried to kill himself. He was on the way there. That's why he was drinking double jack and cokes and you know i'm not excusing the rude thing he said about the guy wanting to suck his dick and also i thought man straight guys are so arrogant like not to be a dick about it but this flight attendant could have done better you know what i mean this guy was like uh i mean he was a little older but he was a very handsome man and uh i don't know straight guys for some reason, we just think that, like, if we were gay, tens would be wanting to blow us all the time, which is such a funny, such a funny thing. Like, oh, if I was gay, I mean, I'm not gay, but if I was gay, I'd be the best at it. Why do straight guys think that? Why, 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 <laughs> why do we think if we switched teams, we would immediately be team captain? Uh... Which is just the silliest. Like, oh, if I was gay. I'd probably marry Barry Manilow. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. Anyway, uh, you know, I wish the guy well, but... Uh, yeah, it just... I don't know. I mean, I kind of let the guy know I thought he was a dick by being like, really, do you think that's what it is? But it, it's one of those weird... It's a similar it's a similar feeling to when uh, <clears throat> this is just for the white people listening. Uh <laughs> it's a similar feeling to when someone tells you a racist joke. And you're like I don't know, you kind of in your head you want it to be like, "Hey, that's not okay. This is a teachable moment and I'm going to tell you uh, and then, but sometimes you don't, sometimes you just go like, ah, oh, shut up. Or, you know, it's not, you know, the moment sort of passes and then you think about it later. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about it, but I was just like, um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a dick, but also like, um, I guess I wish I had the confidence of a 400 pound hot tub salesman. Everyone's weightless in the water. You know what I mean? I used to have a joke about hot tub sex, which uh, I found very funny, but I think it was too dirty uh, for me. <clears throat> which, <laughs> so it maybe it's dirty enough that I don't want to tell it right now, but I'm going to. Uh, I would just bring up, I would talk about hot tub sex, and I'm like, every time I have sex in a hot tub, I think the same thing. How are we underwater and it's still dry? And then, you know, I would just wait for the standing ovation that never came. It's probably because they wanted to blow me. <laughs> really, dude? What? <laughs> oh, I kind of want that. It's probably because they wanted to blow me confidence. But also, he couldn't have been that confident. He was apologetic for, like, you know being the big guy in a middle seat. Uh, but yeah. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. 
Uh, but if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently it's just talking about anchor i guess that's their sponsorship but i don't want to brag but i make you know maybe six bucks a month doing this so worth it of course it is uh go to anchor.fm or the anchor app we now return to another riveting episode of the rutledges i uh i did a show yesterday well actually yesterday i did a show in uh bellingham pretty normal show a, some sort of brew pub standing in front of barrels filled with alcohol and uh but the day before on uh, uh I did I did a wedding um actually the third wedding I've done in my entire life um I mean performed comedy at one was just a club was like hey before your show on Saturday do you want to do t- 20 minutes at a wedding reception for an extra couple hundred bucks I'm like sure uh the other one uh, another reception, and uh, that one was kind of weird because she was a big fan of me, the bride, and so I was a surprise. And man, comedy is not a great surprise. Uh, so he introduced me, like I had to hide until it was like my turn. Uh, he introduced me like he was introducing Robin Williams. Uh, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, we got a comedian, here's his credits, here he is, he just goes... This is a special surprise. Please welcome Gabriel Rutledge. And sh- she seemed happy, but the other 40 people there were like, who is this guy? Is he the guy who made the meatballs? They were pretty good. Um, but it was still fun. And again, like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I don't even know how these people found me. Uh, Ian and Kelsiana, congratulations. Long may, long may you reign. Uh but uh yeah same thing uh and people are people always ask me like do you get nervous and really you know a tv taping uh a contest a audition yeah i'll get a little nervous most comedy shows not really I'll, i anticipate i want to get up there <clears throat> but i do 200 shows a year i can't get nervous 200 times a year i can't my body can handle that but Yes, uh, a couple days ago at that wedding, when I pull into a wedding out because for some reason no one can get married in a city, it has to be on the outskirts on some farm. They turned into a gazebo uh, where you can play horseshoes and <laughs> get married. Um, I pull in, I see the wedding parties taking pictures, and just the sinking feeling in my stomach of I should not be here. I'm going to do an hour of comedy on the most special day of someone's life. I mean, not the grooms, but the most special day of Kelsiana's life. An hour. I didn't want to do an hour, but they're making, you know, they gave me a thousand bucks. What am I going to do? Like, well, I'd rather do 30. Yeah, I was nervous. And the DJ made me more nervous because he was, you know. He was like over preparing me, like, hey, don't step on the cord. Be careful. Uh, don't stand in front of the speakers. There'll be feedback. Uh, before you wrap up, give me a hand signal. So you, I'm just like, I don't know when I'm wrapping up. You're stressing me out. Um, so yeah, I, it went well. Thank God. I did 58 and a half minutes at a wedding reception, and it went well. Um, oh, hello. Um, that was probably Kelsey on it wanting a refund. Maybe it didn't go well. But, uh, yeah, just waiting for my turn. Because people are just walking around, eating food, talking to their aunt. And I know I have to do comedy for an hour. The song, the guy comes over and he goes, when this song's over, I'm going to introduce you. And it was a it was a Buddy Holly song that usually is just like a cute song, like every day it's a get you know that song. It it sounded ominous. It sounded like the countdown to a terrible event 
that song's playing, and as soon as it's over, I know I have to do comedy for an hour at a fucking wedding? What am I doing? And then when it goes well, uh, when people are like, oh, that was really funny, I want to be like, do you have any fucking idea how impressive that was that I did comedy for 58 and a half minutes at a wedding after the buffet line was dying down? Like, I'm going to grab people and be like, you think that was pretty good? It was fucking amazing. That should have gone horribly. Um, but of course I didn't do that. I just tell you guys. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like private events in general, I get a little nervous. Like, like, but like tonight, you know, when I have to do this show in a couple hours for the, uh, Haircutters of America, whatever the hell they're called. I mean, it might go bad, but they're just, they're doing a, some sort of haircutting conference in Vegas. I'm just part of their event. You bomb at someone's wedding, you're fucking up their memories for the rest of their life. When they're like, oh, God, remember that comedian? Oh, grandma walked out. She hated that guy. And then she died on the way home. It was the comedian's fault. He should have never done that hot tub dry under the water joke. Really not appropriate. Hey, I got an email. If you guys would like to uh, send me a podcast question, comment, anything like that, uh, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. Uh, and uh, although I just, you know, it just shows up in my email. This one came from my website. And so it kind of took me a minute because the email from L Laura, thank you, it just said, Hi, I just watched the new Twilight Zone. I was wondering what you thought of it. If you haven't watched it, get to it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And then uh, I figured out she was a podcast listener. Thank you, Laura. You're a good person. Guess what? I did watch it. Just because you said so. I watched it. Well, it's the new Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. And uh, apparently it's on CBS All Access, which means I'll never watch it. But the first episode is available on YouTube. And it was good. I mean, um, I guess I won't talk about it too much. I don't want to do too many spoilers. But uh, I do kind of feel that we're all setting up Jordan Peele because, uh, like when he did, uh, uh, get out, I watched the movie. I thought, wow, what a good movie that was. And then people were like, brilliant, genius, Oscar worthy. What a commentary on society. And I was like, well, yeah, kind of, but I just, it seemed a little much for what I thought was just a really good movie. And it also turned into, if you watch Get Out, there, there's a scene where the white guy is always saying to uh, 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 the black guy, like, I would have vo voted for Obama again if I could. Um, Get Out turned into that. It turned into people going like, I think Get Out should win all the Oscars. It was like a way for white people to show how woke they were, almost. And then, uh, you know, so now... Jordan Peele's doing other movies, and I think they're going to be great, and they're going to be fine, and Twilight Zone's going to be good. But it's like, I don't know. When someone does one thing, and you're like, genius, voice of his generation, that's, that's a lot of expectations to put on someone who's just trying to make some art like everyone else. Uh, but yeah, I did enjoy Twilight Zone. It was about comedy, which was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm, I won't talk about it too much, but I would recommend it. Watch it on YouTube. Um. I watched too many things, uh, I realized. I mean, it's not a bad problem to have. But, uh, you know, I bet my wife and I watch 20 to 30 entire series every year, and then I watch another 10 or 15 on my own, not counting movies. You know what I mean? For, you can... New season of Stranger Things comes out. <clears throat> my wife and I are done in two weeks. Or whatever. 
friends from college or, you know, I just watched, what, what do we watch? Mrs. Maisel or, you know, I just watched a thing called The Highwaymen. And it, it, it's the amount we consume is staggering. Like, to watch 30 entire TV series in the 90s, <laughs> it took all of the 90s to watch that much TV. Uh, so in some ways I feel like nothing really gets to be that special because you're just plowing through. And then when you go back to a show, you like when, when, when Stranger Seas Stranger Seasons, <laughs> uh, when Stranger Seasons Things 2 comes out, um, when the second season of Stranger Things comes out, you're like, wait, what happened season one? Because in the meantime... You've watched 22 other series. Um, and I'm actually, I'm watching The Sopranos right now, which, man, does it hold up. Holy shit. So good. <clears throat> I, most Maybe you're not as old as me, if you're listening, but there was a time where all of the serious, important acting was in movies, and movies were significantly better than TV. And, uh... That is the exact opposite now. Although I shouldn't say TV. That's an old man thing to say. Because I'm, you know, shows are better than movies. That's what I'm trying to say. And The Sopranos started that. that. I mean, what people said when The Sopranos started was like, it's like a movie every week. Like, we couldn't fucking believe how good it was. And uh, I'm, I'm rewatching it right now. And it, man, it holds up. It's so good. And James Gandolfini is unbelievable as Tony Soprano and uh but even back then you know one episode would come out a week there wasn't even on demand I don't think um and then there would be like two years in between seasons so Stephen Van Zandt could go on tour with Bruce Springsteen or whatever but uh it was just such it was much more of a commitment to be into a show and so, I love all the content that's available, but it's also like, that's the best show I've ever seen, and I'm done with it in four days. You don't, you don't even get to cherish it. Um, and I was listening to someone talk about what music was like in the 60s and 70s, which, uh, you know, before my time. And, uh, the... The way people were about music in the 60s and 70s was like, you would hear about things before you could get things. You would hear about the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or later Led Zeppelin or The Who. or You would hear their legend, and so by the time you got to see their record in your record store or your older brother bought it or whatever, you kind of had already decided you were going to love this band because the buildup was so intense. And uh, I just don't think we have that anymore. There's no... Um, there's so much content that none of it's that special. And don't get me wrong, it's a great time to be a consumer. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving... You know, Netflix just went up to like twelve ninety five a month. Um, I'll have to tell my mother-in-law. <laughs> um... But, uh, you know, I love all the content, and I love all the quality content, but it is, it is, there's no music shows, movies, none of it is that lasting. None of it is, like, um, nothing's the voice of its generation, because uh, it's the voice of that month, that week, and then next, next, next. Um... And so it it is kind of weird, and uh, which uh, holy shit, I think I accidentally segued into the last thing I was going to talk about, which was uh, uh, Kurt Cobain's death anniversary. Man, I'm good at podcasting. Okay, full disclosure. Uh, right after I said, "Man, I'm good at podcasting," I had to uh, pause and go perform uh, comedy for sport. Clips franchise owners. Wow. Bunch of drunk hairstylists. I knew. Yeah. 
It's kind of a long-haired person's worst nightmare, to be honest with you. I knew this thing would come. Which, uh, I mean, it went way better than it should have. It was actually really fun. Although at one point, I said, they were pretty drunk. I said to, uh, like as a setup to a joke, I go, I started growing my hair long when I turned 40. And this lady in the crowd just goes, mistake. I started growing my hair long at 40. Mistake. Mistake. <laughs> Think we know each other. <laughs> what the hell was that for? <laughs> and uh, I wasn't supposed to swear, uh, but I came so close to just going "fuck you." Uh, but anyway, then a debate broke out in the crowd whether or not I should keep my hair or uh, cut my hair. Keep my hair one. Uh, so, you know what? I have the blessing of the sport clip hairdressers, so, um, although they told me I should trim my beard. You know what? I can't hang out with hairdresser people anymore. They're too judgy. Also, uh, uh, I guess to celebrate my good show, I had two Jack and Waters. Yeah, Jack and Water. You gotta stay hydrated, and, uh, I'm fine. I forgot how sloppy drunk Vegas is. Holy crap. Just people stumbling around. Like dudes in jorts and NASCAR hats just like hugging the wall trying to walk back to their room. Girls, women wearing sparkly shit holding their heels or stumbling around like baby giraffes. People get fucked up here. Which, uh, I guess I get it. You save up for the whole year. You're like, I'm going to get fucked up in Vegas. Which, uh, I'm not going to do. Just two Jack and Waters. I'm fine. Where's my jorts? Where's my jorts? Uh, okay. What was I going to say? Kurt Cobain. Death anniversary. Here we go. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff this week about, uh, the, uh, I think April 8th was uh, Kurt Cobain's death anniversary, and uh, I was going to talk about it, but then I thought I will just – I'm going to read something. Is that weird to read something on a podcast? Uh, I have a blog, you guys. I don't really do anything on it anymore. Um, I guess I'll put a link to it in the podcast notes. It's like gabrielrutledge.blogspot.com, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not real active on there, but I mean – if I actually read all the stuff that was on there, I'm sure I would take it down because it goes all the way back to 2004, which I'm sure I said some really not woke shit back in 2004. There was there was some stuff on there that I totally forgot about. Like I actually <laughs> – a couple years ago, I did an actual Craigslist misconnection uh, just to make my wife laugh. Uh <laughs> It says our house M for W, male for woman, I guess. You, my wife, me, your husband, who's been unable to complete a conversation with you for 15 years because some kid always needs juice or some bullshit. Uh, I totally forgot I did that. And, uh, oh, what a chuckle we had at the time. Anyway, Kurt Cobain. Uh, I have weird memories of the day uh, Kurt Cobain died, and I thought, uh, I'll just read this. Gather round, kids. Grandpa has a story. Uh, this is from 2017 I posted this, so you can adjust the math accordingly. I remember the day Kurt Cobain died pretty well. Not the actual date. I just had to Google that. April 8th, 1994. I was 20. I played drums in a band called Mushmouth at the time. Great band if you liked your punk rock songs to be loud, fast, and unnecessarily complicated. In our youthful arrogance, we thought we should have been more popular. But in hindsight, we were probably exactly as popular as we should have been. Our friend Christy was at almost all of our shows. She later became my wife, so I guess she likes her men to be loud, fast, and unnecessarily complicated, too. 
If you were a part of the Olympia punk rock scene like we were, everyone had Kurt Cobain stories. He lived there pre-fame, so a lot of the people a few years older than us knew him personally. No one in Olympia talked about Nirvana or Kurt with a sense of awe. It was mostly who Kurt used to date in Olympia, who was taking care of the turtles he left behind, and how they liked Nirvana's first album better. So for the wannabe cool kids like we were, we sort of felt like we had to pretend we weren't impressed with his rock stardom either. If I was cool, or at least aware, a few years earlier, I could have seen Nirvana in a dorm room at Evergreen State College, but instead the only time I saw them was at Key Arena in Seattle with 15,000 other people. And the only time I met Kurt was at a storage unit our band practiced in. I'm still waiting for the episode of Storage Wars where they pull up the door to reveal a band. Sorry folks, looks like there's nothing of value in this one. Let's move on to our next unit. Door shuts. Singer looks at the rest of the band. Guys, that's it. This band is called Nothing of Value. The lady who managed the storage units had told us in hushed tones that Kurt Cobain rented a unit there. But we didn't really believe her until he and Courtney, Love, showed up one day to collect all of his stuff about five doors down from our unit. Kurt was nice enough to invite us over and offer us some of his crap. A lamp, a broken stereo, that kind of stuff. Courtney was grumpy. You guys aren't writing a book, are you? I think at the time some sort of unauthorized biography had come out about them. No, I wasn't writing a book. I wasn't really writing anything, which is why I was in the process of flunking out of South Puget Sound Community College. On the day he died, I remember a friend texted me and told me people on Twitter were saying Kurt Cobain died. Grandpa's kidding, of course. There was no texting or tweeting in 1994. Someone called and I turned on MTV News. That's right, kids. In the 90s, we had to grieve without hashtags. It was a hashtag simpler time. Mushmouth had a show that night at a house party in Portland. We were sad about the news, of course, but in a weird way, it was almost like since we weren't supposed to be impressed with his rock stardom, we also couldn't admit the significance of his death. I don't remember thinking any American Pie, this is the day the music died thoughts. It was more like, oh, he used to be close to my friend's sister. I wonder how she's holding up today. It was a surreal day for sure, and the house party we played at had a weird nobody-lives-forever, so maybe let's drink an extra 40-ounce of Old English 800 feel to it. I remember walking out of the party and seeing two people fucking on the grass next to the sidewalk in front of the house. We all grieved differently, I guess. It shocked my 20-year-old brain to see it, partly because in 94, you couldn't do a porn search for punk rock kids have sex on a lawn but also because I had lost my virginity two months earlier. February 8th, to be exact. 2-8-94. Hashtag never forget. I had built sex up in my former church kid virgin brain to be this life-altering event that could only be achieved after completing a spirit quest to find a coitus wizard who gave you the magic key that would unlock the vagina of the woman who was wearing the other half of the penis locket I'd never noticed I was wearing. But then I had sex... And it was great, but also not nearly as life-altering as I thought it was going to be. And now, a few months later, I was watching two drunk idiots on a lawn do the thing that I had built up in my head to be so important. It was like they were mocking me. It's weird when your life goal is someone else's rock bottom. I feel like that now when I see celebrities headlining comedy clubs because their TV-slash-movie career isn't going that well anymore. I'm hanging out on the first rung of the show business ladder on purpose. They fell there. Stand-up comedy now actually reminds me a lot of the punk rock scene of the early 90s, except the 10 people sleeping in the punk house were in their 20s. The 10 people sleeping in a comedy house are all 36. Anyway, when people talk about the day Kurt Cobain died, I always think of people banging on a lawn. Not the best tribute to Kurt or my young adulthood, but you can't always choose your memories. I wonder what the two people I saw having public sex at a party think when someone asked them if they remember the day Kurt Cobain died. Well, no, not really, but according to witnesses, I had quite a night. Hopefully they didn't make a lawn baby that night. If they did, it's 23 now. Hashtag happy birthday lawn baby. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. Most of you, some of you, a few of you. Uh, talk to you next week.
day It's getting closer Going faster than a roller coaster Love like yours will surely come my way Hey, hey, hey Every day it's getting faster Everyone said go ahead and ask her Love like yours will surely come my way Like yours will surely come my way.